0: From a fiery crash to mayor in two days, we've got that today, plus another track owner complaining about streaming and the Flow Series is back racing tonight. Let's go. It's Tuesday, September 13th, I'm Justin Fiedler. This is Dirt Tracker Daily. On Saturday night at Port Royal, the fiery crash for Dylan Sisney was pretty widely shared and talked about, and we mentioned yesterday the efforts of Logan Wagner and Danny Dietrich in aiding Sisney in that moment. They bailed out of their own cars and helped extinguish the flames as Cisney rolled around on the track. We know now that Dylan is okay. He posted to social media afterwards that he doesn't have any burns, but is a little banged up. In an interesting twist to this story, just 48 hours after being involved in that wild crash during the Tuscarora 50, the Port Royal Borough Council met on Monday night, and its seven members voted unanimously to elect Cisney as the new mayor of Port Royal. According to the Juniata Sentinel, uh, Cisney entered shortly after the vote happened, arm in a sling, and accepted the position. And yes, this story is absolutely true. Both the Sentinel and the Juniata County Radio reported on the happenings yesterday. Hopefully Sisney's time as mayor goes a little bit smoother than the feature did on Saturday night when I got up this morning, I had a DM from Rob pointing me to a lengthy Facebook post from Smoky Mountain Speedway's owner, Roger Sellers. The nine paragraph, nearly 700 word bit was posted around 10 p.m. Eastern last night and is titled The Great Decline. Very dramatic. In the words to follow, Sellers basically gets very wordy to complain about not getting enough of a share of the streaming revenue for the events at his racetrack. And he might be true there, you know, there might be some teeth to that. He, though, like most others that have this complaint, points to anecdotal evidence and uses his opinion to say that streaming is what is killing attendance at his track and others. If you've been around a while, you already know my feelings on this subject, so instead of kind of relitigating all of that, I thought we'd kind of take a little bit of a different approach to this specific situation. In his post, Sellers mentions that the Lucas Oil & Dirt series does share some revenue, but that the, quote, other big series does not. I continue to not understand why track owners sign sanction agreements they then decide later they aren't okay with. In this instance, the other big series he's referring to is clearly the World of Outlaws and their streaming service Dirtvision, which his track hosted just a little over a week ago. If track owners are not okay with these agreements, the simple solution is for them to quit putting those series on their schedules. We saw the same thing with Scott Ronk and Terre Haute back in May with USAC and Flow Racing. Don't agree to the dates and then complain on Facebook later on. Leave them off your schedule and put pressure on the series and streamers in a real way if you really believe they are the problem. If suddenly the series can't get dates at certain tracks, that might spur them to reconsider their stance on sharing streaming revenue. There are also opportunities here for these tracks to run their own streaming services, either through partnerships or completely on their own. Smoky Mountain has actually done a bit of this, so sellers knows that's an option here. These tracks that view streaming as such an enemy could also band together and create their own streaming services, that way they would benefit completely. Posts like what we saw from sellers don't really accomplish anything except to demonize the players already in the space and so discontent among the fans. And I have yet to see any real evidence or actual data proving that streaming is indeed what is hurting attendance at these tracks. We could start talking about inflation and fuel prices and all of the other things that Americans are dealing with right now. Show me the numbers, and then we can start working on actual solutions. Inadvertently, though, Sellers does get to the heart of his real problems in the post and the problems of a lot of other tracks as well. He mentions staying home is more convenient, as is eating your own pizza and drinking your own beer. So why don't these tracks make their flow of traffic better? You know, you talk about convenience. Getting fans in and out quicker would certainly help with that. And why don't they stop running shows with four or more divisions that take until 1am to complete? People have families. Let's get them out of there. Make the food and the beer at your facility affordable and of decent quality. I can go to my local minor league baseball stadium and get craft beer and high-end food options. How many dirt tracks have that? You're usually getting frozen burgers and frozen chicken nuggets. Like, can we can't do better than that. He also mentions weather problems, including rain and, you know, temperatures, high temperatures, low temperatures. How many tracks in series have predatory ticket policies that make it difficult or impossible to get refunds? A grandstand seat might cost 25, 30, 40 bucks or more. So for a family of 4 you're looking at well over $100 in a lot of cases just for the tickets that doesn't include, you know, some places that charge for parking that doesn't include, you know, any concessions that doesn't include if you want to stroll through and grab a t-shirt. That's a big risk to take when you know that getting a refund could be a problem. Why would I take that risk if I know on the flip side it's going to be hard to get my money back? So what about doing covered grandstands where people could sit for at least some of the day out of the sun and the rain? He also says Smoky Mountain isn't Eldora, Fairberry, or Bowman Gray, and he'd be correct in that statement. But there was a point in time where those tracks weren't a big deal either. Eldora wasn't always Eldora, Bowman Gray wasn't always Bowman Gray. And Smoky Mountain is actually an interesting track to look at for this problem because in recent years, they've actually made updates to the facility they've done new bleachers they've made they've built some new buildings they've you know they've added some new uh some new stairways with railings and things like that not all tracks can say that there are some tracks out there that are woefully in need of upgrades but you could argue that those updates that they made at Smoky mountain were long overdue and that more needs to happen to really make these facilities competitive in 2022 with the other entertainment options available to people the easy thing to do right now is to point at the cameras on your tower and complain that they are the reason that fans are staying away So the easy solution is don't let them in. See if that fixes your problems. When it uh, inevitably doesn't, though, then maybe we can have a real discussion on how to make things better for tracks, series, and everyone involved. At Fairbury tonight, the Flow Racing at Night in America Late Model Series is back after an extended break. The midweek late model series lost races in June and August to rain, so we actually haven't seen them in action since May 18th at Marshalltown. And just to reset, with five races complete, Brandon Shepard is the series points leader over Hudson O'Neill and Mike Marler. We've had five different winners this season with Kyle Larson taking the opener at Eldora, Jonathan Davenport won at Brownstown, Shepard took Spoon River, Dennis Orb Jr. was the winner at Lincoln, and O'Neill is the most recent winner from that show at Marshalltown. That is Lincoln in Illinois, not Lincoln in Pennsylvania. Including tonight, five races are still left this season with all of them paying $22,000 to win, except the finale at Sonoya that is $53,000 to win. Tonight's field should include a nice mix of teams and drivers. The top six in the standings are all expected to be there. Plus, you'll have some of the regional guys like Ryan Unzicker and Mike Spatola, some outlaw regulars in Herb and Tanner English and more. Joining the late models tonight will be UMP Modifieds, and you can watch all of the action as you might expect over on Flow Racing. If you watched the Dirt Vision broadcast over the weekend, you got to hear and see Logan Seavey in the booth with Johnny Gibson for the Gold Cup at Silver Dollar. Each night, they had a different kind of driver in the booth, and Saturday night was Logan Seavey. And just a few days later, CV was apparently turning laps in a super late model. CV and Rocket Racing both posted photos from Farmer City Raceway on Monday with CV in the seat of the famous Rocket house car. California driver can be found in a non-wing sprint car or midget most weekends and has had plenty of success in USAC competition. He tweeted, quote, cool day today. Got some laps in a rocket chassis dirt. lay model. hopefully get the chance to do it again someday. Thanks to Rocket Racing uh, crew for making it happen, unquote. I love all of this crossover we've gotten to see lately, and hopefully there will be more to come. Uh, You know, obviously, CV is not the first sprint car or midget guy to get in a late model, but hopefully not the last. Moving on to your favorite segment of the week, it's time to talk video game racing. The iRacing Award of Outlaws uh, late models were back in action last night after a week off. It was round number seven, and they were at Knoxville for a 50-lap main event. Evan C. and his teammate Blake Majulis have been really the class of the field this season, and that didn't change last night. Majulis did have to transfer in from the night's second B main, but he then drove from 18th to finish 6th. Unfortunately, though, with C winning yet again, the gap between the two in the standings grew even larger with three races remaining. It was a super fun show last night. The feature went caution free for 50 laps. Swindell Speed Lab driver Kendall Tucker started on the pole, and he was the, uh, the leader until right before halfway when Dylan Wilson took over out front c was lurking though starting from the fourth position and as the top three continued to race hard it then brought the rest of the top five into the mix as well and with 15 to go you could throw a blanket over that top five c took the lead at lap 18 and then was able to keep everyone at bay for the remaining laps dylan wilson ended up second with zach mcswain third it was c's third one of the season and he is still yet to finish worse than second through these seven races we've had so far so three weeks now remain Weed Sport coming up next Monday night, then Volusia on September 26th, and then the finale at Charlotte on October 3rd. Uh, for more information on the series, head over to iRacing.com WooLM. There's point standing, schedules, results, everything you need to know over there. There are five items on the streaming schedule today, although it's really four because one program is being streamed by two different providers. Flow Racing has the Flow Night in America late models from Fairbury, the ASCS from Clay County, and Flow 24-7. Speed Sport has Wissota Racing from I-94, and they also have the ASCS from Clay County. To see the full daily streaming schedule with links to watch, visit dirttracker.com slash watch tonight. That's it for the show today. Have a good Tuesday. Make sure to like and subscribe to this show. Uh, Also comment uh, in the video as well if you would like to get involved. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow for more Dirt Tracker Daily.